from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Caught up in a deadly cloud. I was so scared to get out, but I knew I had because it was my only choice. How an Iowa farmer survived an accident with anhydrous ammonia and what the road to recovery looks like. Pig farmers appear to be scaling back production. A look at the latest numbers as ranchers finally seem to be holding on to more cattle. What the numbers are telling us about the state of the beef industry right now on Ag Day. Ag Day presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, Clint Griffiths. After seeing higher numbers of cattle going into feedlots, things appear to be finally settling back down. The latest cattle on feed report showing placements are down compared to last year. The number of cattle and calves on feed coming in at 12 million head. That's 3% above December of last year. But placements totaled 1.87 million head. That's down 2%. Marketing's in November totaling 1.75 million head, 7% below 2022. Agnes Michelle Rook joins me. Michelle, the decline was not a surprise, but the market expected that placement number to be even lower. That's right, Glenn. The trade guess on placements was about 4% lower than a year ago, so that number was a bit disappointing. Plus, on-feed totals were a half percent higher and marketing's about a half percent lower than the average trade guess. However, market analysts say these numbers aren't as bearish as they look on the surface. Looking at the state-by-state -state breakdowns, the higher placements did not come from the north. Iowa, for example, was down 7% on placements, the second lowest on record for November. Plus, marketings were up 3% over last year. The bigger placements showed up in the south, and particularly due to the higher imports of Mexican feeder cattle that have been put in feedlots. Big placements in Texas and terrible marketing. And I think it's relative to the kind of cattle they feed. Uh, they feed cattle that take forever to get grayed. Uh, Mexican cross on jillions of these uh, Holstein Angus cross cattle that need a lot of, a lot of, a lot of days. Quimus's cattle from the northern feeding areas are also being exported to different parts of the cattle belt, which is indicative of an industry that's chasing grades. And even though the marketing's number was below estimates, he thinks the market is relatively current, at least in the north. Don't forget that we're killing over 4% less of them for the year now, cattle. So, you know, to, to have a monster marketing number is hard work when you have less cattle, less cattle in that slot that's, that's ready. Krim also points to last week's cash cattle market, which was one to mostly $2 higher as an indication there's not a backlog of cattle. And he says the cash low is in for the move. I'm Michelle Rooker reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Now, global supply chains are preparing to restart thanks to increased protection in some of the world's key shipping lanes. Shipping firm Maersk says it's ready to allow vessels to resume trips through the Red Sea. The decision follows the start of U.S.-led Operation Prosperity Guardian, which protects ships from Houthi rebels in Yemen. Now, recent attacks have caused major issues for vessels going through the Suez Canal and the Red Sea. The two waterways are key arteries for oil, natural gas, grain, and consumer good trade between Europe and Asia. Maersk leaders say they're planning 
to resume shipments as soon as possible. As the war in Ukraine continues, Russian state agencies are releasing a tally of crop production in 2023, reporting it was one of their biggest grain crops ever. According to Russian state statistics, grain harvest in 2023 will total 142.6 million metric tons. That's down about 9.5% from last year's record, but is still the second largest grain crop ever. Russia remains the world's largest exporter of wheat, but continues to have trouble getting enough ships and insurance due to Western sanctions. Wheat production in 23 was lower with farmers growing 92.7 million metric tons. That's down about 11.4% from a year ago. The Russian Ag Minister says the country exported roughly about 65 million metric tons of wheat this year. People in Nebraska and surrounding states got a white Christmas and a whole lot more as a winter storm hit the central plains and upper Midwest, bringing with it blizzard conditions and between 5 and 11 inches of snow. More than 725,000 people across South Dakota, parts of Colorado and Nebraska were under blizzard warnings. The slick and dangerous conditions causing multiple semis to jackknife on I-80, forcing officials to close the eastbound lanes between Grand Island and Lincoln, Nebraska for a time. And the winter weather doesn't end there. Other areas are seeing blizzard conditions and ice. Meteorologist Courtney Jorgensen joins us with an update. Courtney. That's right. We do have that cutoff low that is making an impact throughout the central portions of the country. But you can see even on the eastern edge, plenty of rainfall, and that's going to be the same kind of thing on the west coast as well. We have that ridge build over the western portions of the country. That is just going to keep this in place into the coming days. Now we do see some of that snow and ice with it. Also, the rain that continues up towards the northeast, and eventually we start to see it tracking by the end of the week, even more so towards the northeast. It's going to take a few days to actually get there with that ridge in place. We're finally going to see some showers moving in on the west coast as well, too. That could become a potential issue as well, especially as we head into the weekend. And then look what happens as we head into Saturday. A good chunk of the country dries out. In fact, by Saturday and Sunday, most of us seeing those dry conditions. Actually, the Great Lakes by the time we get towards Sunday evening, picking up a few snowflakes out there as well, too. As far as how much flooding potential we might see out of this, well, not much for Wednesday, but as we head into the end of the day by Wednesday and into Thursday, Friday, and then again into the later part of the week, you can see some of that rainfall on the western edge, too. Let's go ahead and take a look outside. You can see Christmas. Well, it doesn't mean an end to chores on the farm. In fact, take a look at this one. Christopher Knoll of Saskatchewan getting a little help with the cattle on Christmas Day. I'll have more of your forecast coming up. Italy continues to take a stand against non-traditional foods. The country officially banning cultivated meat. Now the Ag Minister says Italy was proud to be the first country to impose such a ban. Under the law, cultivated meat, which is meat grown in a laboratory from stem cells, cannot be made or marketed there. The move has strong support from the country's farmers. Meanwhile, Singapore is the only country where people are actively eating cell-based meat. In the U.S., two kinds of chicken have been approved by USDA and FDA, but the market is still developing. Corn and live cattle climb post-Christmas. We'll dig into our final week of the marketing year next. And later, a miracle rescue and a long road to recovery. The incredible story of survival for one Iowa farmer in the country. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today.
Corn futures seeing strength on Tuesday, and how did livestock react to the USDA reports? Well, Actes Michelle Rook has more on the last week of trading in 2023 in Markets Now. Tuesday's market closes. Everything was higher for the hog market. Scott Barlick with Cream Cream of Barlick joining us on impressive close in the cattle, considering we kind of came out of a bearish cattle on feed reports, guy. That was a good uh, trade for the cattle to come out the day after the cattle on feed report and do what they did. I mean, the on feed report was a little negative. Uh, placement number was more than expected. The on feed number was slightly more than expected. So, so those are the two numbers that have been just hanging over the market uh, every time we have a then on feed report. So still, still plenty on feed, I guess, comparative to a year ago. And we know some of the weight issues that we've had. Um, so I think the market reacted lower right out of the chute. And we've had those, I need to get some hedges on, some selling pressure that came from, from some producers. And I think it was pretty evident that that just wasn't there, that that set on of panic didn't happen. So once we were that much lower and the sellers were not there, the market was able to climb out of there and do a, a reversal higher here and um, trade significantly stronger, possibly on some of that last week's cash news that was so well. And perhaps the weather. And so do you think we can build on it? I think we can. It's the long-term picture that we're looking at. It is a futures market. So we're looking ahead and saying, okay, we feel like this feeder calf supply is going to be tighter next year than it was this year. So the availability of feeders is going to get very tight. We've still got heifers on feed. We've still got an increased female slaughter. So, so that long-term supply story has not gone away. And it could be the driver in the next year of 2024. Grains all ended to the plus side. And was that demand, do you think, that pushed that? Or was it this end-of-the-year type position squaring that we sometimes see? Could be some of that squaring. But I do um, have a little bit of a gut feel that this is just a little bit of future demand. Prices were accurately priced in the world. We finally have some, yes, value buying happening. And, and you're getting led by the wheat market. Uh, with a 20 cent higher day. So uh, I think that's just because we've got our dollar on the decline a little bit and a few more people turning toward, towards us first. Yeah, I hesitate to throw China out there, but it seems like every time we get a pop, it is related to some China rumor, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. They're always in on the rumor. Thanks for joining us. Scott Barlick with Crema Crema Barlick. That is Markets Now. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by the Advanced Acre RX program from Winfield United. To hear directly from farmers how Advanced Acre RX helps you get the most out of your season, visit winfieldunited.com AARX. Well, as far as areas that need precipitation, they won't really be seeing much of it. Elsewhere, we are going to be watching some precipitation, especially along that eastern coast. You can see all the way up towards the northeast where we're looking at those rainfall amounts. Upwards of one inch for many folks, but some isolated areas in two inches. By the time we get towards the end of the week, we build in some of that snowfall through the central portions and into the Great Lakes. However, on the west coast, there's that rainfall as well, too, where we're looking upwards of two inches, even to the Pacific Northwest. You can see upwards of maybe even five inches. Some of those red zones going to be pretty wet out there. That's the total precipitation estimate through the end of the day on Friday. Now, where do we need that rain? We particularly need it in the southern portions of the country, but all across the entire nation. Everyone is fairly looking pretty dry. Of course, folks over on the western edge aren't seeing that condition because they have had so much rainfall out there, but certainly an extreme to exceptional drought in that lower Mississippi Valley. As you can see, 
it is a significant issue for folks there. A little bit more so further towards the Great Lakes. That's where we have that cutoff low that is making somewhat of an impact. So hopefully we'll see some positive influence from that. There's that jet stream showing you that energy continuing to move through the central portions of the country. That uh, ridge building over on the western edge starts to move its way a little bit further towards the east as it does. So still getting a little bit of a trough over towards the northeast and into the Great Lakes. That becomes another cutoff as we head into Tuesday of next week. We'll start to continue to see that uh, building trend as we head into the weekend. Now, as we take a look at that precipitation outlook, Coming in after this, this is December 31st to the start of the new year in 2024. Generally, the, the southwestern half of the country is going to be on the wetter side. We're going to be a little bit on that drier side as we head towards the Great Lakes and on into the northeast. And as far as the temperatures too, most of us not looking too bad. Pretty normal, typical, but especially from the Great Lakes over into the Pacific Northwest. And uh, it looks like we're going to be well above those temperatures. And further towards the north or southeast, well, you're going to be a little bit on that colder side for you over there. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the weather in your area. You can see Crane Lake, Minnesota coming in with a cloudy day today. High temperature only going to be 37 degrees. Then as we head towards Statesboro, Georgia, it's still going to be cloudy there, but look at that significant temperature difference. 67 degrees, nice and warm there for those folks and heading down towards Kingsville, a sunny sky. High temperature 73, low of 43. Bad margins have hog producers trimming inventory. We have details next. And later, an Iowa farmer's road recovery following a near-fatal anhydrous accident. Part two of the story in the country. It appears pork producers are trying to cut back on production. The latest USDA Hogs and Pigs report showing that as of December 1st, the total inventory was 75 million head. That's up slightly from December of last year. But look at the breeding inventory coming in at 6 million head. That's down 3% from a year ago and down 3% as well from the previous quarter. The September to November pig crop was at 34.6 million head down slightly from last year with sows farrowing during this period, totaling just under 3 million head down 4%. Producers also saying they intended to cut farrowings in this next quarter and the quarter following that. Their returns have been weak. Uh, we, they've been looking at relatively low hog prices. Um, we have seen declining corn prices, but for the most part, I think that they're they're looking at you know having seen hog prices that were that were at or below break even, uh, and that's that's sort of conditioning them to tr pull in the reins on on production. Total numbers of hogs under contract owned by operations, but raised by farmers under contract accounted for 51% of the total hog inventory. That's up 3% from the previous year. China remains at the top when it comes to importing meat, including pork. USDA's Economic Research Service says the country has been the world's largest meat importer since 2019. And it says last year, despite some cuts to imports, the country remains in that top spot. In fact, it imports 43% more than the second largest meat importing country, which is Japan. China surpassed Japan to become the top meat importer after the country was hit hard by African swine fever, which sharply cut into its pork supplies back in 2019. It's no secret that parts of farming remain extremely dangerous. Up next, part two is an Iowa farmer travels a road to recovery following a life-threatening anhydrous ammonia accident in the country. 
Yesterday morning, Farm Journal's Time Morgan brought you the story of a woman in ag whose quick thinking helped save the life of her fiance, who was seriously injured in an anhydrous ammonia accident in rural Iowa. Now, in part two of the story, Tyne updates us on what may have caused the leak and the road to recovery. As Kendra was driving to the hospital, she still didn't know what had just transpired in the field. All she knew is Joe was applying anhydrous, something he's done for nearly 30 years. I hooked up to a set of twins. Typically, the anhydrous tanks have a hose holder like this, but he says that pair of tanks that they received did not. So I tried to put a loop in the hoses. Well, my loop must have come loose. And when I was turning on the corner, the left front tire of twin tank must have ran over my hose. And then it broke the front valve or pulled the threads out and it came apart. Joe says he was toward the back of this field when he heard a pop and gas started shooting straight toward the tractor. The whole field was turning fog and I'm like, I got to uh, go to plan B. I do not know what to do. That's when Joe decided his only option was to head toward the house, all while he couldn't see and he was losing oxygen to breathe. I knew where the bottom terrace would come out at so I could follow the terrace every once in a while I could see it. But as he got to this crossing, he says he couldn't see anything. I lost where I was at. I just drove by. Feel. Somehow he made it past. And at that point, the smoke cleared enough to see the gravel road. When I crested the hill, I was, I was blacking out because I was losing air. And I really thought I was pretty close. At that point, the tractor stopped moving. I'd, I'd only pulled 1.1 acres off that tank, so I knew that sucker had a lot of anhydrous in it. And it kept blowing at the tractor. And I was so scared to get out, but I knew I had because it was my only choice. He says he threw on a sweatshirt he had with him and grabbed a bottle of water he knew he had on the floor. And after he climbed out, he tried to run toward the house, but ran out of air. And I went down and I started crawling. Once Joe was airlifted, Kendra says she still didn't know if Joe was going to survive. Two doctors came in and told us what was going on. They could not intubate him because his throat was swelling shut. And so they cut in a right, which is an emergency trach to get air to him. I got to Iowa City. They said that he had grade one to grade two burns in his sinus cavities, throat, and deep into his lungs. Joe spent 10 days in the hospital, but the real work for Kendra started when they sent Joe home. I've taken about a month off work. The nurses trained me how to take care of him, how to administer his feeds and crush, crush his medication. Something she does every 45 minutes right now. Home health nurses come twice a week, but the best nurse, Joe says, is Kendra. She's good. <laughs> In this Christmas miracle, Joe knows Kendra is his angel. She saved me. There's no doubt in my mind. If she was over there, she got the scene. She was just happened to be looking. I would say there was about 15 to 20 miracles from that tractor 
to the corner of the yard to Des Moines, Iowa City. Survival that's also thanks to Kendra, who's cherishing the fact she can celebrate this Christmas with all their family. Just incredible. Thanks, Time. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Day. I'm Clinton Lucas. Have a great day.